0: that time of week again for Necromaniacs. This week we have special guest co-host Brandon Legion of Horror Wolf 666, a blog and YouTube channel that has some pretty impressive guests. And uh this week we got Brandon on to talk about his show and also we're not too far into 2021, so I guess we can still review some of his picks for best horror film of 2020. Which uh, we like to do that on this show quite a bit. So how you doing, Brandon?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
0: Hanging in there. Uh, You know, it's uh, the year's going. That's all I can say right now. It's going, and we're all enduring the reality of uh, the pandemic. And uh, you know, hopefully things are improving. So uh, trying to stay positive.
1: Yeah, same here. I'm trying to keep myself busy. You know, with the horror stuff and everything. And every once in a while, jamming out on you know my guitar and everything. This. Trying to stay positive because it's crazy. It's like something Stephen King wrote, you know, for The Times <laughs> right, right now. It's nuts. Yeah, it's definitely like we uh, we have a chapter in The Stand that
0: uh, we're, we're going through right now,
1: for sure. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely. And, you know, I'm curious what Stephen King's going to write for the rest of the year. <laughs> you know, and hopefully nothing too crazy. <laughs> How long have
0: you been doing uh, Horror Wolf? Uh,
1: when did you start doing that? Well, um Probably like two and a half years. I started off like doing like a little like small blog thing. It was like um, it was like I think Google offered it at the time. Is it was just something I can get my foot in the door? Start writing reviews on that. And then I'm gradually like growing it. And then, I, you know, I got the website, harwolf 666com I got that going up officially, I think, two years now. And I started like investing in trying to get like some cool people to interview and stuff like that. And just kind of expanding everything a little bit, you know.
0: And the YouTube channel, like your interviews show up on YouTube. Do you also have uh, like a podcast version of that as well?
1: I don't yet, but that's something I'm working on as we speak because I'm new to all the podcast stuff. That's why I went straight to YouTube with it. Like I have it on my site and I also have it on YouTube if you want to listen to it in your car or whatever. But I want to get into like the whole podcasting thing, but that's all new to me. But I'm looking into stuff now and that's a goal for this year is to have me up, you know, podcast version of what I do and stuff. Yeah, I think uh, since you already went through the trouble of
0: uh, recording all this stuff, I mean, nowadays it's uh, even easier than uh, the when I started doing podcasting. Now it's like uh, a lot of these hosts have uh, like pretty much like a one stop shop, like you can publish to them and then you can distribute through, you know, everywhere, you know, into Spotify, Apple podcast, um, Stitcher, like all that stuff
1: yeah i'm looking at a host right now I'm, i think it's something sprout um can't remember the exact name of it and stuff but yeah they do that same thing they put on itunes uh, spotify and all that for you and you just pay like 12 bucks a month to get all that hosted for you and all that stuff so that's a, that's where i'm at right now i haven't got anything uploaded yet but i'm on you know i'm about to make that step into you know that world so y- what,
0: what are some of you, give us a rundown of some of the guests that you had, because I know you had like Richard Stanley, who's like one of my favorites, and uh, I, I really enjoyed that interview you did with him.
1: I appreciate that, dude. That was amazing. The whole Richard Stanley thing, um, that was when I, one of my first guests I had on there, like, you know, doing the whole like uh, Skype talk thing. Usually I do like uh, written, review. I mean, written reviews and written uh, interviews with guests, and he was like one of the first ones I've ever done Skype-wise, because he wanted to do a Skype interview. I was like, okay. And you know, I pretty much blew my mind, <laughs> like talking to Richard Stanley. You know, that's a hero of mine for years. You know, since like watching Hardware and stuff. And um, from then on, um, I've talked to Adam um, Egypt Mortimer, who's done. Um, he did um uh, what is it called here? I'm looking at my notes. Sorry, a um, March Enemy, which just came out last year, which was one of my favorite films of last year. And he's um he's really awesome. And uh, I think my last, like, Skype guest was uh, JK, who's a, a badass, who becomes, like, horror promotion, like, horror journalist. He works for Horror Helm Magazine, you know? Yeah,
0: that's a good magazine, man. I like that. That's, um, well, I, I, I subscribe to a, a couple of print magazines, uh, you know, obviously, Rue Morgue, uh, Fangoria, you know, that kind of stuff. But there's, there's still a couple of good mags out there, which is, you know, good to, good to know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I love Rue Morgue. I subscribe to them as well. I was with uh, Fangoria, then they had a little bit of trouble last year, you know, and I I quit my subscription for a while, but I might get back into that again. I'm I'm not too sure, but
0: yeah, there was like a weird thing going on with Fangoria, man. And uh, I I used to listen to the Shockwaves podcast. Yes, me too. And I guess like one of the hosts had some kind of like Me Too thing or call out or whatever, and then that that show like disappeared
1: mm-hmm yeah it was crazy that whole time period when all that happened i was watching it go down on twitter i'm like what in the hell is going on here i'm like this is like my favorite horror podcast i'm like i'm watching it just crumble right now is crumbling i'm like it was really horrible <laughs> yeah
0: there's actually uh, another podcast that rebecca McHendry does uh with another one of the guys uh yeah elric was, yeah elric yeah that's it yeah. which is uh that's kind of a sick name actually yeah, Elric, Elric Kane is his name.
1: Yeah, that's a badass name.
0: <laughs> it's like kind of like combines like two uh, sword and sorcery characters. You know, there's Elric, obviously the Michael Moorcock character, and right. then there's uh, Kane, who is the um, you know the Carl Edward Wagner uh, sort of immortal swordsman. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever, you ever read any of that stuff?
1: I haven't. I'm really a strictly a King Barker type guy when it comes to my reading because there's so much shit to read from them. So it's hard for me to like delve into different things. (laughs) Yeah, no, I hear you, man. But uh, my whole childhood was spent reading
0: that stuff, and I still, you know, go back and reread a lot of that material. And uh, Mm -hmm. Carl Edward Wagner actually is—he kind of delves into the weird fiction world too. You know, along with like Thomas Ligotti and uh, you know Lovecraft and Clark Ashton Smith, he's like a modern, a sort of modern writer who expands on like the um, you know the whole Robert Chambers Carcosa mythos and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But I have read. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Didn't mean to step over. I was
1: saying I. I have read the Yellow King. I can't remember who wrote that. Is that are we talking about the same guy? There, yeah, it's Robert Chambers. Yeah. Okay, that is okay. Well, I've read the Yellow King just because I was watching a uh, season one of True Detective, and that whole that whole season was just amazing. And the whole Yellow King mythos and stuff, I had like delved deeper into it. So, I started reading the Yellow King. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that that season comes up a lot on this show. We uh, we talk about that a lot. Quite
0: you know over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what were your top films of 2020, man? It's uh, right. like I said, it's not too, we're not too deep into 2021 where we can't go back and talk about 2020. So what's, uh, what's your list?
1: My number one list for last year. I mean, this is, I mean, it's everything I like. It's uh, Richard Stanley, it combines um, Spectre Vision, which everything Spectre Vision touches is gold in my eyes. And that's gonna be Color Out of Space. I freaking love that movie, man. Well,
0: that, that's definitely, that was on our list too, man, for sure. That was an mm-hmm. amazing movie. And uh, do you, I, I th- apparently he's doing two two more Lovecraftian uh,
1: films. Yes, um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the second one's going to be Dunwich Horror, because he was talking to me a little bit about it when we had our talk together and stuff, and he was kind of throwing some stuff out there. And So I think it's going to be Dunwich, which would be amazing if it is. That's one of my favorite stories from Lovecraft. I hope that they, they get into uh, Cthulhu, man. That would be, uh,
0: I think that he's probably going to need a pretty big budget to do that, though.
1: Yeah, he's definitely going to need a big budget. But with him, you know, in control of things and with Spet division backing him up, I think, you know, I think get some cool shit done. You know, he's the guy to do any kind of Lovecraft film. It's Stanley, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see anybody else doing it besides maybe uh, Del Toro or whatever. But, you know, I think Stanley's the man to get it done. You said that you uh you went
0: you you've checked out uh hardware.
1: Have you also oh, seen yes uh, Love Hardware? Yeah, you also see Dust Devil? Yes, love Dust Devil. I, I saw an ad for Dust Devil, I'm pretty sure it was like in a room org magazine. Or it could have been Fangor, it was one or two, but I was like young, like teenager wise or whatever, and like the artwork itself just grabbed me I'm like, man, there's some strange looking shit here. I I gotta check this out. And it took me a little while to actually find a copy of Dust Devil back then, I think. You know, then Blockbuster and all that stuff didn't carry it. So it was a few years after that, and I found, you know, a copy of Dust Devil. I was like, man, this is really awesome.
0: Yeah, I kind of like, uh, I, I stumbled upon him like back in the 90s, man. Like, with, mm-hmm. um, I, I rented hardware from a video store because it looked, it just looked cool, you know? Right. And, yeah. And then I found out that um, I used to read this magazine uh, called Propaganda, which, uh, is like a black and white, you know, goth industrial sort of mag, and they had an art. They always it seemed like they always had articles about fields of the Nephilim in there. And I remember reading an interview with Carl McCoy, and he talked about Richard Stanley's movies because uh-huh. he was he was the guy he was in Hardware, the guy in the beginning that's like walking across the desert. Oh and, yeah, yeah,
1: yep, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, That's Carl McCoy, mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and that's when I started getting really fascinated with richard stanley but like for you know for decades the only films he had were uh dust devil hardware and then some shorts that he made yeah and uh that was all collected actually on um like a. I have it on dvd mm-hmm. it, it came out like maybe 2007 or 2008 because uh right when i when i tried to find hardware i had the only way i was able to get a hard copy of that was as as a uh, bootleg which mike mm-hmm. my co-host he um he used to run a comic shop in Brooklyn called Brooklyn Monster Factory. And uh-huh. they had, uh, you know, they sold uh, DVDs there as well. So he had the bootleg of hardware. I bought that. And then a year or two later, that collection came out. And then mm-hmm. that was the last I heard of Richard Stanley. It's like, I was like, I, every now and then I would think about him. Like, what the hell, what happened to him? You know, what was he doing in this interim period?
1: Right. And then.
0: I was so excited to hear that he was doing a Lovecraft film. So
1: Yeah, w- with Richard or whatever what what I what I know and stuff is uh there's a whole big like scandal going on with the Island of Doctor Monroe remake they did, like in uh what was it, the nineties, I yeah, believe. Right. And um he was supposedly the man direct did and all that stuff and they really like screwed him at the last minute and stuff and you know, sent him on his way. And um he ended up still getting some money for it, supposedly. And he just kinda, he's kind of been, like, this kind of hibernating, hiding away for right now because all that crap that went on with that movie. And then, you know, he's put all that time into, like, coming up with the Lovecraft universe. So there's it a documentary on Amazon about it, actually, about the island of Dr. Monroe and some of the stuff that went on. So it's very, really interesting. You should check it out. Oh, uh, Lost Souls? Yeah. Definitely yeah, that's that. it. Yep.
0: Yeah, I, I own a copy of that, actually. <laughs> okay cool <laughs> yeah it's um man i i really wish that that his version of the film got made you know based on the treatments and all that stuff that they show in the documentary
1: Hmm. yeah i'm sure it'd have been killer if he um you know had his way with and stuff so what else we got on your list uh let's see what we got here we're going on number two i had the dark and the wicked have you seen that one?
0: I, I have, actually. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, like, what's, what's uh, I, I personally
1: wasn't that enthralled by it, but what did you mm-hmm. like about it? Uh, just the atmosphere, man. It was just so, like, black, you know? It was just like, there's no hope in this film. It was just super, super dark, and I, I'm a sucker for, like, a slow burn, like a cult movie, you know? I love all, like, the cult stuff and, you know, the darkness of it, and this one just, like, I don't know, it caught me at the right time, I think. I was like, man, this is evil shit here. I love it, <laughs> especially the um, the kitchen scene where she's uh, cutting with her knife there and loses a few fingers. That that shit was brutal.
0: Yeah, it's I, I I went into that film really wanting to like get into it. I just I don't know, man. Like something about I just couldn't really dig into that movie for some reason.
1: I've been hearing that too from um, different people and stuff. It's like it either grabs you or it doesn't, and you know, there's no in between with that one.
0: There does seem to be this um, kind of movement of uh, I, I, you know, I try to like describe this to people of um, stuff that takes place in the woods. there's like entities or ancient you know essences manifesting mm-hmm. and you know fucking sticks and shit like that, and yeah, you know, atmosphere yeah. and just heavy brooding type of films. like there's that movie Sator that um that Mike and I talked about on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that one yet? I have not seen that, but it's on my list. Dude. I can't stop thinking about that movie. Oh. <laughs> it, it's it's like it, well, first of all, um uh Jordan Graham, the guy who made that film, is uh oh. he did everything on it. Like, you know, cinematography, written, written directed, he did the score, you know, everything, right? hmm but it doesn't look like a film that, um, that is, uh, there's nothing, he didn't look like he cut any corners at all. Like the filming is incredible. Uh, the whole pacing, the atmosphere, the editing, everything's great. Um, and it just uses these like shadows very effectively and uh, the writing is great. And it's also cut in with um, interviews with his, ac- with, um, his actual grandmother. Mm-hmm. And, and the film has to do with, like, you know, mental illness and uh, possession, possibly. Um, and it, there's also unanswered questions in the film. And it's just a very intense movie. Um, it, it's beautifully filmed. And I, it, it impressed me so much that I went back and I found he only has, like, one other movie. This movie called Spect- mm-hmm. Spectre, uh-huh. which is a prim- primarily, well, it's a found footage film about an alien invasion and even though you can see the limitations but it's still pretty good like I still really enjoyed it and it utilizes right. a lot of the same techniques that you saw in Sator so yeah man whenever you get a chance definitely check that movie out
1: yeah that might be something I do today actually because like I said it's been on my list and once I heard you were digging and all that stuff I'm like yeah i am put that on there <laughs> yeah hell yeah it's great my um, third favorite from uh, last year was Possessor. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that was, just, man, this sci-fi horror from hell. Like, it was just awesome. Like, I love the aesthetics and everything and the fucking the atmosphere. Of that one's really, like, sterile and this, yeah, this horrific, you know? It's like, it's awesome. That was one of my favorite movies of the year, man. That,
0: that um, just the whole, I I, I checked out, uh, Brandon Cronenberg's other film, Antiviral. Yeah, yeah. And it was cool, but I wasn't I didn't I wasn't all in on that one. But Possessor. Yeah, There's no possessor. <laughs> damn. It's like we covered that on the show, but yeah, I'm that's another movie that I've watched I think 3 or 4 times already and um mm-hmm. it's it's like amazing. It's like a incredible work of art in my opinion.
1: Yeah, um, it, it, that's yeah, that's the best way to describe like a work of art. And I've only seen the um The rated version. Supposedly there's a director's cut, and I haven't seen that yet. So that's something I want to see. Also, uh Kareem Hussein is involved in that. And um Mm -hmm. he's like
0: I remember um actually it's funny, there's a connection with Richard Stanley. Uh I think it was on that D V D that I have that collected all of his films, where there's a documentary about the Fantasia Film Festival in Canada. And um Richard Stanley, Jim Van Beber, and Kareem Hussein are featured in it. And that's how I discovered Kareem Hussein. And he mm-hmm. I forgot the name of the film he had, but it was um, one of these things where his strength was more in like cinematography than actual writing. You know what I mean? Like writing a script. Right. And he's become more well known as doing like cinematography and effects and things like that. And he did the effects on uh possessor so mm-hmm. um, and and i i also saw that his name appeared in the credits for the uh for the hannibal uh, tv series too
1: oh that makes sense man hannibal is so fucking good <laughs> do you think they'll
0: ever finish that
1: um there's rumors about it could happen like i think last year was the last rumor i heard about it and the director's talking about you know possibly going on with it and stuff, but I haven't heard anything since. And then they came out with this new show that has nothing to do with that one. It's uh, Clarice, which is definitely not on the same level as Hannibal was, not even close. So, yeah, I don't know. I hope they do. You know? Yeah. I uh, have you seen any of the episodes of Clarice? Yeah, I watched the first two, and they're not bad, but it doesn't have it doesn't have any of the feel like Hannibal had. Hannibal was just like, man. It was on a different level from anything else that was on TV at that time, I think. And, you know, Clarice is kind of like a cop, just a regular cop drama, you know, something you might see on, like, you know, any other cop drama type show. Nothing special, nothing really dark about it. I mean, uh, yeah, man. Hannibal, the thing that grabbed me was the
0: kind of dreamy, like, like, images that they had in there. And a lot of that was done by Kareem Hussein, you know, the kind of, you know, horned, you know, the wolfish stuff that happens in this is kind of interaction mm-hmm. with like the dream world and reality and i think that is really you, you kind of get into like will graham's um mentality like you get this sense of like his skewed vision of reality it's a very powerful um thing in the in the, in the, in the
1: hannibal uh, you know in the show yeah definitely uh, yeah you can you can't beat that show i think um there's a very few shows that like even hold a candle to that. And one of those shows would be Channel Zero. I don't know if you ever watched that when it came out on sci fi and it's all shutter now. Yeah, I watched all I think there's three seasons. I've watched all uh-huh. of them. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, that's like only other show that holds a candle to me, to Hannibal. So Wasn't that based on uh
0: like, some creepypasta, like, shorts or something like yes. that?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was based off of that. And I really never got into creepypasta. I guess I was for the younger generation, what I'm in and stuff. But what I saw from Channel Zero, man, I was like, holy shit, this is based off of these creepypasta stories? I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, these things are so dark and fucked up, man.
0: Yeah, I never checked any of that stuff out either. I just remember hearing about, um, like, Slender Man, which is, like, another thing that I guess that was started on creepypasta. Like, that whole Tulpa you know, thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was like, the only thing I knew about creepypasta pasta too was a uh, slender man and stuff, which was, you know, it sounds pretty creepy. They did a few movies off of that. And they, or they sucked, But <laughs> never, I never watched them because of the reviews I've seen on it really bad from people. I knew I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna stay away from that. <laughs> I started watching
0: one of them and I, I, and I tapped out pretty early. I was like, yeah, I don't know. This is not that great.
1: Yeah. it just, yeah, I'm good. I, I pass on that. <laughs> Um, another really cool one from last year was uh, Joe Bigos' VFW. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's, yeah. That was a runner-up, I think, on my list. Yeah. It's a, it's a strong film. I was like, it was really hard to put, like, in order my favorites from last year. Because there were really a lot of strong films that came out last year. And, like, VFW is, like, right there, you know? And I love Bliss. Yeah, I, I'm sure you've seen Bliss before. And, like, that, that same style, man. It's, like, cool as hell. Yeah, Bliss – I I
0: liked VFW a lot, actually, but I I liked Bliss a little bit more just because it reminded in a weird way, man. You ever see uh, Abel Ferrara's movie, The Driller Killer?
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that one. Uh,
0: There's something about The Driller Killer and Bliss that seems very similar. There's a very, to me, it seems like I I immediately started thinking about Driller Killer when I was watching Bliss.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It's probably the aesthetics. They're very similar, I think. They're almost like in a kind of trippy, dreamy type thing going on there.
0: Yeah, and it's like an artist,
1: you know, trying to make, like,
0: create artwork and goes into mm-hmm. these dark passages, passageways and all that sort of stuff. It's really cool.
1: Yeah, um, I, I, I love um, – I think I like Bliss a little bit more than VFW as well. Both of them are super fun. VFW is more like a John Carpenter throwback, which I love, you know. The horror. whole damn movie is like, like 80s throwback, like awesomeness. You know, and Joe Bigos is talented as shit. I'm not sure what he's doing right now. He stays pretty quiet, but whenever he does come out with stuff, it's always pretty awesome. I, I
0: actually interviewed Joe Bigos and Josh Ethier, the guy who, um, he, actually, Ethier is in some of the films, but he also is the editor. Mm-hmm. And uh, for a magazine that uh, Holy Mountain uh, Printing publishes. Uh huh. Yeah, called uh, w 3 d fuck what the fuck is called like we it's basically called we do what we want to Uh but they have like a w3d3 i should know the name of this magazine off the top of my head but i don't but Uh. it's a print only magazine and i did a an interview with bigos and and they're they're pretty pretty cool guys man like into metal and you know all that kind of stuff
1: yeah, I remember there's a scene I think it was in Bliss where um she's walking in the bar and I got an Electric Wizard playing. I'm like, yeah. yeah, this movie's gonna be awesome. I'm like, fuck yeah! yeah. Like, there's always some about a metalhead making a you know good horror movie. It goes hand in hand, I think.
0: I definitely picked up on the Carpenter shit, man. It's like it has like that kind of escape from New York like kind of vibe, you know, like kind of '80s action, you know, violence, you know, like yeah. punkers that kind of thing.
1: The Blood and Gore was crazy in that one. I loved it all the practical effects because I'm a sucker for practical stuff. I mean, CGI does have its place. It was mixed with practical really well. But mostly everything that was in um, VFW was all practical stuff. And I just love that. You just can't beat it.
0: Yeah, I agree, man. It's like um, I even even like somewhat poorly done practical effects always beat CGI in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, like when you watch, like we um, we recently uh, covered Psycho Goreman.
1: Oh yeah, I love that one. Yeah,
0: and uh, they made that movie on like no money, but the effects, like they, it's not like super real realism, but they they just look cool and the practical yeah.
1: effects. You know what I mean? It's like a like a gore filled version, like um, like Power Rangers or Guyver. You know what I mean? Like even more gore than Guyver. And Guyver had a good bit of gore. The second movie did, but I I loved um psycho Gorman. That was a great one. That's so far as might be my favorite this year. But I'm not too sure. You know, it's still early in the year. What's you know movie wise? So, but as of right now, it's a, it's up there at the top.
0: Yeah, it's pretty over the top, man. It's a lot. Of, it's like I can see some people not really liking that movie, but I loved it. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, same here. It was just fun, you know. You don't have to, like, really concentrate on anything story-wise or anything. Just enjoy it, you know. Um, another favorite from last year, I don't know if it made your list or not, was that Vivarium?
0: Yeah, uh, it didn't make my list, but I saw that movie. Uh, yeah, that was the one where there's, like, the couple, and they go to look at an apartment or a house or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they're trying stuck. to... That- it's, like, such an anxiety-filled movie, man.
1: It was really well-done sci-fi, horror. Like, it was just creepy as shit, especially, like, the, um, the boy that had to raise and stuff, man, when he was, like, doing all those crazy noises, and he was so non-human trying to be human. It's just... That's, that shit like that is what gets to me, you know what I mean? I, monsters and us that stuff are, you know, one thing. They're cool and everything, but when it comes to, like, stuff like this, that, you know, really gets to me.
0: It's like a nightmare really i mean when you think about being stuck in that type of neighborhood and you just can't Mm -hmm. escape like this very generic everything looks the same um you know everything has this kind of plastic look about it and uh you got this like freaky non-human baby that's growing (laughs) And you just can't, you can't leave. You drive and you try to find the way out and you're stuck in this endless maze, man. That, that's like a hell really, you know?
1: Oh, that's, that's definitely hell for me. Like never changing, just staying the same and there's nothing you can do about it till you die. <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> yeah. You know? um. Uh, really cool one from last year is um, making its way to, I think Arrow Video is going to be like thrown out on their Arrow player. Like I think this month coming up is The Stylus by Jill Six. I don't know if you've seen that one. It was like doing a little festival run last year. I'm not, I, I've am not.
0: never even heard of this, man. Tell me about it.
1: Uh, the Stylus is awesome. It started off as a short and I saw it on Shutter a few years ago. And then, uh, Jill decided to do like a full length of it, you know, and I got all on like the Indiegogo or whatever it was for the crowdfunding and I helped crowdfund it and stuff. And, um, I was able to see it before, you know, it went anywhere and stuff. And, um, it's about, um, a hairstylist who, um, she's got some issues and stuff. She wants to like fit in with people and she's really like, um, really antisocial. So I can relate to all that cause I'm the same way, <laughs> but, um, She's, you know, she's wanting to relate to these people she's giving haircuts to and stuff. You know, she wants to be just like them, popular and everything, but she's the complete opposite of all that. She's, That's not what she is. And um, she starts killing all these people by, um, she scalps them. She takes their scalp. It's a lot like Maniac in this, in this part here. And, like, she takes the scalps, and she collects them and stuff, and she wears them, and she kind of, like, feels like she's that person for a little while. It's, it's crazy not not over the top on gorn but where there is gore, it's, it's awesome and the storyline's really really good it's shot really dark it's it's really awesome i was really uh surprised how good it was
0: it sounds cool and and the filmmaker that name rings a bell like what what else has that guy done
1: well jill she's um or guy right or did i say yeah. jill, wait jill jill six yeah jill six is her name yeah okay well i what she did before that was um, the short version of the stylus. She hasn't done too many big things. A couple of shorts here and there, but like this is her full like big major picture and stuff, you know. So, and it's it's badass, dude. It was, it's really really good. Now you
0: said something about does Arrow have an app? I'm ashamed that I if they do that I don't know about it. Do they have like some sort of like
1: streaming service you could check stuff out on? Yeah, supposedly, which I don't have it yet either. I think it's fairly new. It's, going, it's called like the Aero Player. I'm, I don't know if it's like a, a streaming service or just like an app to play the movies off there. Yes, I'm not. I try to keep up with all that. I have like 20 different streaming services because you know I'm crazy with movies, man.
0: There's so <laughs> many, man. It's like it's funny because now it's like uh, you think you're saving money on not having a cable like connection, but you're
1: actually I, I yeah, no, paying the same amount almost, you know. And then somebody else comes out with a cool new streaming one. I'm like, damn it. But, I mean, really, the king of streaming for me is going to be Shudder when it comes to my horror stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, they, they're they they're really good about adding stuff, too, man. There's always, like, exclusives, you know, and, and they have, like, really cool. Like, a lot of those Indonesian films that they put out, mm-hmm. um, like in Pedagore and Satan's oh, yeah. and all that. It's, uh, if you're really into horror, like, you got to be, like, a hardcore fan. Like, you can't be someone who... Is like, you know, just into the mainstream stuff. You gotta be into the deep
1: like, cuts, you know. The good stuff. And you see people bash Shudder a bunch of times on like Facebook because these are the people that watch all the some of the crappy films that come out in theaters or just like mainstream stuff, you know. That's your thing, that's your thing, but that's not my thing. And they go bash Shudder and stuff in public and like, Yo I have no idea how cool Shudder is, like and, and they also have Joe Bob. I mean, just for Joe Bob alone, it's worth five dollars a month, man. I, you know put when you put it
0: that way i would totally that's exactly right man i think five dollars it's like you can get like two uh you know two lattes at starbucks and spend
1: six dollars you know what i mean yeah that's like almost one energy drink for me like, <laughs> like spend on awesome cinema yeah man the joe bob shows are so
0: fucking cool man i look forward to oh one, man
1: I love them. I, I stay. It's hard for me to stay up too late because I wake up at 4:30 every damn morning. So I'm usually pretty tired, but I'll I last here as long as I can. I usually go pass out by like the second movie, and then I rewatch it like the next day. But the, the whole atmosphere, like what Joe Bob's done with Shudder and just you know coming back out from what he used to do on a what was it TNT, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's awesome, and I get on Twitter and stuff, and there's like a live chat. Darcy's on there running all like the social media pages and stuff, and we're live chatting on Twitter. Like it's like a giant like watch party with nobody even around you. It's fun as shit, man. I should get on the live
0: chat too, man. Cause I, I love I love watching it live. I'm the same way though. Usually I, I I like don't make it through the whole thing. You know what I mean.
1: mm Hmm. And I try. You can ask my wife. I try. She's like, "Oh, I guess you're going going to bed now." right? It's like, "Yep, can't do it." <laughs> <laughs> what What do you got to What do you do that you got to get up at four thirty every morning? Oh, I work on a big ass fancy island and uh, do landscaping and stuff. Okay. Yeah, we're actually hosting the PGA here in a few months. Hell so. yeah. <laughs> yeah! Yeah, that's, that's an fun. early
0: morning gig, man. Definitely doing that stuff.
1: Yeah, four thirty, and I punch in by six thirty, and it's you know manual labor all day. Damn. So, it's hard to stay up as late as I want to, you know, and then when I get home, I, I work out and all that stuff on top of all that, so, you know, my energy levels are depleted when it comes 11:30 at night time.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally,
1: man. Yeah. Um, another cool one I don't know if it made your list from last year was uh, anything for Jackson.
0: You know, man, I haven't seen that yet, but I I am I'm probably going to watch it this week and and we're probably going to talk about this film. That's another
1: movie it's been on my list to see. So break it down, man. Tell me about it. Uh, anything for Jackson's is kind of a, another slow burn, um, satanic story. Um, when you think you know what's going on, you think, oh, it might be like a possession thing going on. It totally throws shit you know, in a different direction. And there's a bit of humor to it as well. So when you're watching, you got to keep that in mind. It's kind of a, a black comedy on top of like a horror movie. So you got to keep that part in mind. But when it comes to like the way it looks and everything this is super dark and the subject matter is awesome and super dark and, you know, a lot of satanic elements here and there and stuff. And that really draws me and I love all that shit. And it,
0: it, it has to do with like bringing someone back from the dead, I think. Right. Isn't that one of the plot yeah, points? Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're wanting to bring their um, their son back from the dead. And the way they have to do that is by sacrificing another like body in place for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, and they um they're in this giant like kind of like satanic cult, and they're trying to um you know get all their stuff together to bring him back, and shit goes haywire, and they end up summoning the wrong fucking you know demon and stuff like that. So and then it just goes downhill from there. <laughs> Damn. I, all right. Yeah, I definitely gotta check this out. Yeah, I'm I'm a sucker when it comes to cult and satanic horror. That's my thing because like. The Exorcist is one of my favorite movies of all time. So anything that deals with that subject matter I fucking love. You know, The Exorcist like
0: really holds up, man, over over the years. It's um I think I watch that movie at least once or twice a year. Mhm. And uh it really oh, it it gets better, I think, as time goes by. Um because yeah, it's like done like so artfully, too. You know, there's like mm-hmm. the, the filming and it's just every time I watch that movie, man, I always hope that uh, Father Damien makes it. You know what I mean? And I don't know, man. I, I, I read the book like years ago, too. And the book actually and the, mo- the movie literally is the book.
1: Yes, I mean? exactly. Like, it's exactly
0: like note for note, the same story. And that's right. rare. That's, I find that to be rare when they adapt books.
1: And the, and the Dick Smith work he did on the um, special effects, holy shit, man. They still hold up so well.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once again, that movie came out in the 70s, man. And it looks mm-hmm. way better than a lot of films that come out today.
1: Oh, yeah. I got to see it outside once for like some outdoor showing and stuff. And it was during Halloween. I was like, it was nighttime, of course. I was like, this is the perfect way to watch it. And people are out there like screaming and stuff still. You know, like that movie still makes people fucking scream and stuff. Actually, you want to hear a weird story, and this
0: probably explains a lot uh, about uh-huh. me. My parents took me to see that movie when I was like a young kid at a drive-in. Oh, wow. Like, I mean, I don't <laughs> know if they took me to see it, but they went to watch this movie at a drive-in. Mm-hmm. And I was in the car with them. And I remember my mom being like, you know, oh, don't watch. Like, put your – you know, go in the back seat. And I was like, damn, man. But I – it's the voices. Like, even though I wasn't watching the movie – I still uh-huh. heard all the dialogue and the, like the satanic voices and like that. that is like literally one of my earliest memories in life is is that, watching The Exorcist at a drive-in with my parents.
1: That's a cool memory though, man. That's really <laughs> awesome, I mean, I think so.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it probably explains a lot about how I turned out though, you know.
1: One of my first horror movies when I was a kid, like young, young, like maybe six, you know, when I can actually remember shit was probably Hellraiser and that was because of my aunt. Nice. So I was watching Hellraiser. Um, then Freddy Krueger had his own TV show. I remember that. Yeah, like totally. Freddy Krueger show. Yeah, and I was like, I was watching that as a little kid. Like I started my horror journey off like really, really, really young because my aunt was into horror movies and stuff like that. And I think my grandma was too at the time. She would draw me like uh, pictures of monsters and shit. And I was like, Hey, draw me this, and she would draw it for me. You know, I was like draw me a werewolf. I've always loved werewolves. So that's probably another reason for that too. But yeah. <laughs>
0: My mom still likes horror films. You know, it's like we still, like when I go visit my parents, like we will still watch, you know, horror films together, which is kind of cool.
1: That is cool. Yeah, my parents are both into horror films. My dad a little bit more than my mom, but he got me in all the cool, like 80s, like Predator and all that shit, like all, you know, really good stuff. That's why I think like a lot of the 80s
0: VHS films, like my mom, whenever, when I was a kid and we would rent movies in the 80s, you know, she always wanted to rent horror films, which, and that's probably why I saw like the Evil Dead and all that stuff when I was young.
1: hmm. So
0: I owe, a uh, lot, I, still, I owe a lot to my mom.
1: You know. Yeah, that's cool to get you a start on your journey like that. You know. Yeah. Definitely gotta, yeah, respect that. Uh, I still think the quality of VHS, like, sometimes, for especially the 80s movies, I think they hold special now. Like, I, I still like watching, like, the old, like, shitty cuts of movies. Like, I go on YouTube and find some VHS cuts of whatever movie I'm watching from whatever that time frame is. And, like, there's something magical about that, you know? It, like, keeps the secrets. Like, with all the HD stuff we have now, you can see everything that goes on. But with, like, the VHS shit, like, there's still secrets there that you don't know what's really going on. It kind of gets, like, a magical thing going on, you know?
0: Yeah, and that was the thing I noticed about HD. When a lot of the older films got transferred, they they ended up. They just ended up looking really bad. I thought, you know, you needed that compression or whatever that the tape had, you know, to make it look good.
1: Yeah, it it keeps in like it keeps the magic alive with a lot of those older films. And when I get HD versions of them, something like this kind of lose something for me.
0: What did you think of the? Um, uh, like there, there was that other cut. Of the Exorcist
1: that came out like I don't know like fifteen years ago, oh that, the cut when she's coming down the stairs backwards. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of that cut? I liked it. I thought it was good. I, I love that. Ba- I love anytime a horror movie has somebody like bent over backwards, walking like a crab like that. That shit. But <laughs> you know that that's just some scary shit, man. So <laughs> I I like that cut because because of that. I still I definitely like it, but I prefer the original cut for that for that movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, I haven't really compared them that hard either. So I might have to go back and revisit both cuts to see, you know, which one I actually prefer, you know, more. But there's something about contortion work like that in horror films really gets me. I like that. Well, come actually, there in
0: uh, in that that uh, series on Shudder, um, Channel Zero, mm-hmm. I think it was that third season where it had that the guy, the fucking contortion guy.
1: Yeah, dude. Oh, man, that was that was a good one. He was living in like the little door when pulled <laughs> yeah. the door. I was like, where do you fucking get that idea from? man? it's so like nightmarish, man. And yeah, that dude's awesome. He's in a bunch of shit. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But he was in a uh, scary stories to tell in the dark that just got made a couple years ago. He was the guy that was all the, what you call it, the walking guy. Yeah. The segments there and he's been in a bunch of shit, you know, him because there's only one dude that can bend like him.
0: It's pretty nuts, man. I I I was like, man, I thought it was like some sort of effect at first, but I was like, I guess. Then I read about it was actually a guy doing that stuff.
1: Yeah, no effects, which is crazy. Like the way he bends is like not natural at all, (laughs) and it just adds some real creepy shit, you know. Especially when he was on Channel Zero and stuff. Um, Have did have you seen the Wolf of Snow Hollow, which was another favorite from last year for me? I saw that. And the fact
0: that it wasn't a real werewolf bugged me. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> did bug me. But I still, I liked it as a whole. It wasn't one of my top favorites last year. I think it made, like, number eight. But the whole story up to it was awesome. But, man, yeah, the the letdown that then when it wasn't a werewolf, was like, oh, man, that sucks because I wanted to be a werewolf movie because I love werewolves. But I think overall it was still really good and well done, and I liked the humor that was involved in and stuff. And when they did show the werewolf, at the beginning and stuff, like it looked cool as shit, you know, the way they had him designed and all. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was disappointed with that ending though, without being a real werewolf. I'm like, man, come on. <laughs> and it was uh Robert Forrester's last film. And I, you know, that yep. he's
0: great. I, I love Robert Forrester. And he's an amazing actor.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a, a true legend.
0: Have you seen uh Hunter Hunter?
1: Have not yet. That's on my list too. And um, I have not seen that one.
0: Yeah, I we covered that on the show, and and like I um, I I love maybe half of the film, and then it just mm-hmm. goes off in this other area, which was I thought was kind of disappointing to me.
1: Yeah, Here's got a, like a, a kind of a, a little Red Riding Hood thing going on with it, if I'm not mistaken. I could see that, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But it, it's it could have like the way they were building it up made me believe that it was going to be a completely different type of film than it actually turned out to be. And then Mm -hmm. it made, like, a sharp left-hand turn. And it just became Mm -hmm. like any other film that I could have seen. And that kind of bummed me out a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, I'm hearing there wasn't any, like, uh, like supernatural, nothing going on with it either. It was pretty much a straight, like, uh, kind of revenge thriller, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, and then there was, like, one uh, brutal scene, which was, like, the big payoff in the movie. And, and Mm -hmm. that's the scene itself was pretty awesome really, but it, it kind of like, in my opinion, it could have been a way cooler film and it was great that they did that scene, but it, Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's almost like the whole movie was building up to like this one payoff, you know, thing Right. and that payoff didn't satisfy me at all. You know what I mean? Like I wanted more of a substantial like
1: storyline, I think, you know? Yeah. I hate when films do that, man. They get you going like for the first half and stuff and then really let you down that second half. <laughs> yeah, totally. I um watched a movie y'all recommended uh Synchronic or I'm sorry. Synchronic. Synchronic. Oh yeah, man. That we... shit was awesome, dude. Yeah. Sad. I really enjoyed that one. Very sad too. Oh man, that ending was really sad. I'm like, man, come on. I was like, maybe there'd be a happy ending. I was like, nope, nope, not happy. <laughs>
0: Well, the, the the Benson and Moorhead, the guys who made those films, I've been following their career for for you know since I started, since I learned about them. Like I don't oh, know, same like, here, same four here. Four or five years ago, you know, yeah. Spring Resolution, you oh. know all that stuff. Great, the, you know, awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah. And, endless. they're all gold. <laughs> and this, all the films kind of fit in the same universe, which I think is cool. Yeah, they do. But this one was like, they actually had like, you know, I mean, they had pretty well-known actors in it and uh, they had a budget and one of their strengths, I think, as, as filmmakers is they, they write really likable characters that you can relate to. Mm -hmm. So then when something bad happens to them, it's like, you don't, you just don't want to see anything bad happen to them, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, they're really good with that because, like, everything they've done before that's the same way, man. There's some tragic stuff. I think it was a, um, what was it, Spring? Spring has a, like a sad ending. I think they all have sad endings to them. Like, like I so said, you invest so much in the character development and everything and, like, really feel for them. I think that's cool. They can do that. Like, not a lot of directors and all that stuff can do that. and give you a feeling, you know? I got bummed out when the
0: dog got left in the other time. time oh.
1: zone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm a cat person. I love dogs, too. But I I can just imagine leaving one of my cats in in a different, you know, time. Oh, man. Yeah, that that was might have been just as bad as, you know, ending for me. I was like, that's horrible. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I mean, I'm a cat guy, too. But
0: I also I like dogs, obviously. But I was like, yeah, man, I would I would probably try to go back and try to get it,
1: you know. Then they show the dog on the other side just slowly disappearing. I'm like, man, dude. That's hard. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. But that
0: just, you know, speaks to the strength of the writing, man. Like their their films are so well scripted, I
1: think. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And anything they're attached to, I'm gonna check it out. But when you all mentioned that film there, I didn't know anything about it. I'm like, where well, this this just kinda of popped up, you know. I rented on Amazon Prime a couple weeks ago. I was like, shit, this is good.
0: Yeah, it, it's I, I can't wait for their next film to be honest,
1: you know mm-hmm. There's so many uh, good things out right now and it, it's kind of hard to catch everything because everything's coming to VOD because of the whole theater situation. so it's really hard to catch everything. but most of the shit I watch anyways is VOD. you know there's a few films that go through the theater that I like like Visible Man was really cool. Yeah, yeah new- definitely yep it's cool. Um, I think my last like awesome film of last year was going to be Adam Egypt Mortimer's um, Arch Enemy. Have you seen that?
0: You know what? That's once again that's a film that's been on in the queue for me to check out, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen it yet. So what's what's the premise of that film?
1: It's pretty much any it's, it's the anti anti superhero movie. Like um, it's a down. It's I give you just I'll try and give out too many spoilers, but it's about a um, superhero. I'm put quotation marks around there because kind of leave that up to you. That's from another universe where he's like Superman over there. But um, something happens where he's fighting his archenemy and stuff. And um, he gets teleported into our universe where he has no powers. And he turns into like a, a drunken bum. So he's wandering the streets. They just think he's another crazy guy out there saying he's got these superpowers. And like, you can't do nothing, you know. You have no superpowers. And... Um, yeah, some weird things happen in that one. If I tell you any more, it might give away the whole, you know, ending and stuff. But it's like an anti-any superhero movie ever seen, and it's really, really awesome. Yeah, that 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 was
0: what I was able to extract from what what I saw about that movie. It looks it looks really cool.
1: It's got really awesome colors and all because that's another like thing with Spectre Vision, like they're, they're they're used to colors in their films. Like Mandy's my favorite film ever, probably. And uh, Spectre SpectroVision did that one there and like the way they use like the purples and reds and stuff, like that really draws me in and they do a lot of that with Arch Enemy. It's like it's it's oh, just like another universe you're looking at. So it's a Spectre vision film,
0: so that makes it even oh, more, yeah. more interesting to me.
1: Because I, I follow yeah.
0: their I follow their output too.
1: Yeah, I love SpectreVision. Um everything they do is also gold. I mean, um, Mandy was blew me away when I first saw it, and it still blows me away till this day when I rewatch and stuff. It hits me hard. Dude, I, I, I'm the same,
0: man. I, um I watch that movie uh like every couple of months I'll put it on. And like, sometimes it's one of these films where it's like, I'll watch it just like at the end of the night or something like that. If it's like a weeknight, and I'm tired and like, mm-hmm. I'm not really ready to go to bed, but i am I'll just put it on just because it looks so amazing.
1: The soundtrack, I mean, this yeah, Mandy, like it set the bar so high for any other film to follow for me. It's just gonna be hard to ever beat. I don't see. Any, I mean, unless uh, you know, Panos comes out with another film, which I'm sure he will. He's done um, he did uh, what was it uh, the Beyond the Black Beyond Rainbow, Black Rainbow yeah. which I fucking right. love that one too. That was probably one of my favorites when that one came out. Uh, you know, Mandy beat it for me just because uh, I think the subject matter and. Mandy is kind of like, like Doom into a, like, a movie. It's like Doom Metal, if it was a movie to me. And I think he captured that. And he's also a metalhead, too, Panos is. So you yeah, can see that yeah. reflected onto that. And, yeah, like until he comes out with another film, I don't think Mandy's going to be beat. I think he's the man to beat it because he's got that vision, you know? Totally. Totally. I wrote like a whole bunch of shit on Mandy when I first started writing my reviews and stuff like that. I think people probably got tired of me talking about Mandy so damn much. I'm like, you just don't understand till you see it, you know?
0: What, one of the last Black, films I actually saw in the movie theater was, uh, was Color
1: Out of Space, man. And I was so happy that I saw it on a screen. I bet. I didn't get to see it on the screen. I had to, I had to rent it or whatever. I bet it, like, the sound design was amazing and stuff in the movie theater. Man... I saw the IFC in New York
0: City, and it was mm-hmm. one of these deals where uh, I was um, working up in Midtown, and um, I'm just like, you know what, man? I'm going to fucking go to the movies, and I'm just like, I, I'm going to leave the office for a couple hours. I'll see you guys later. I just like <laughs> left. I left, uh-huh. and like I went to the movies, man. I watched it, and I went back to work. It was like in the afternoon, like, like one thirty or something like that.
1: Uh-huh
0: and uh it was great there was like maybe three people in there and um yeah it was you kind of pretty much had the theater yourself and it was just, mm-hmm. just fucking just get into it you know
1: yeah i bet that was experience going back to work after watching that <laughs>
0: <sighs> totally man it was yeah. you know, luckily i was only a few hours at the end of the day before i got to leave
1: well, that's cool. You got experience in a movie theater. I wish I would have got to see it in a movie theater. I think it would even make it that much bigger. You know what I mean? Like really emphasize everything. I, even though I have my soundbar turned all the way up, it still don't give you the same effect.
0: <laughs> I imagine like eventually when theaters, you know, like going to theaters becomes uh, something that we can do that a lot of these films will probably have like a second run like at, um, you know, like at the Alamo Draft House or like in mm-hmm. in New York, there's uh this these two theaters called the night night cinema which are um like they, they'll get like I, I actually i saw the void there too when it came out and, oh okay um, it's like one of those deals where you, you can order food you can chill out and like watch the movie and you know mm-hmm. um there's one in williamsburg and then there's another one that's out in a different neighborhood in brooklyn and like unfortunately i only went to the ones in williamsburg which is like filled with people that um you know, I don't know. Like, there's, it's like, oh, yeah. it's like that thing, you know, which I, I I'm against, yeah. kind of, you know. I don't have to expand yeah. on it, you know. Anyone who listens to this uh, will know what I'm talking I get
1: about. You. Oh yeah, I get you, and I'm on the same boat with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, that they'll they'll have these like nights where there'll be like a director or something. So I imagine like you know something like Color Out of Space, especially if there's another Lovecraft film. They might do like two to both of them together. Like one will be, mm-hmm. be like a double feature or something like that. And then Mandy, I have to believe even Mandy will probably get some kind of run on in theaters again in these smaller, smaller like, um, you know, markets or something like that, you know?
1: Yeah, I would hope so. Cause like I didn't get to see Mandy in theaters either. And I had some friends that did see it in theaters. They're like, man. The sound in there was so awesome, like because that movie's made to be played loud. I tell people, anytime you watch that film, turn your shit all the way as high as it goes, because it's made to be played loud, you know. So, it'd be cool to see it in theaters. Yeah, definitely, man. You know.
0: So, what else you got going on at the uh, the blog, man? Like, what's uh, what's upcoming
1: for you? Well, I got a I should be doing an interview with um, the director of Bad Girls that just came out, who's actually local he's kind of local he's from south carolina as well he's an awesome director christopher bickle so i'm working on trying to get an interview with him he's just really busy at the time i do interviews because the movie just came out and it's killing it right now it's a really awesome movie. i reviewed it on my page last week so i'm gonna be reviewing him and then i'm trying to talk with Spectre vision you know try to get interview with a few of them over that way just you know pick their brains a bit and stuff and then I want to start working on the whole podcasting thing. That's my next big goal. Is the whole podcast stuff. That's awesome, man. It's like,
0: man, good luck on getting the vision thing. That would be sick. I would love to listen to that. You know, and it's like, well, I got
1: a hit. They told me to message them from off of Twitter, and I sent them an email like they told me to. So, and they said yes on Twitter, but Dude. you know, I'm sure they're busy as hell. And I was like, oh, they said yes. Holy shit! So <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's fucking awesome, man. I'm looking forward to checking that out, man. And I'm trying to do more of the, um, the spoken interviews, like the Skype interviews, because I, like I I've been doing the written ones forever now. Those are easy, but I'm not really a people person too much at all, so I want to push myself with the Skype stuff, you know. I, I want to try to push myself beyond what a, my comfort zone with this, and I think I think sometimes like the, the, it's, it's better to do the audio ones just because you get more of a feeling for that person you're interviewing and stuff, you know.
0: Yeah, it's easier to express yourself sometimes, like when you're just talking, um mm-hmm. you know what i mean and and uh then just in writing stuff out i know like you know with with the band it's like doing interviews sometimes like well, I'll, I'll do like these written interviews and i'm just like man can't this fucking guy just like call me and we'll talk on the phone or some shit yeah you know and it's like it's easier just to i think verbalize stuff sometimes
1: yeah i've always avoided interviews and when i was in the band and stuff or bass player pacer would do the interviews <laughs> i was like i'm not doing any interviews i'm not doing that but now thinking about, it, like, I guess I probably could have did some interviews. I've done a couple like uh, radio show things, like small radio shows I was on, but that's about it. Yeah.
0: M- musically, what do you got going on now?
1: Um, uh, well, my we're kind of like retired from the band. Like we did a trip in mechanism for about 15, 16 years, maybe a little bit longer than that. We kind of parted ways, you know. It, it ran its run and stuff. And um, right now, I'm just kind of chilling. I, I play around. I've been doing a lot of drone shit. Just you know, messing around, jamming on stuff on, on my own and stuff, and um, I'm about to purchase a keyboard because I'm all into, like, the, the synth wave stuff, man, like Drive Majesty and all that shit. I love all that. and I love 80s goth and also. so I'm about to give me one of those, and I, it might be a chance I might throw some stuff up on like SoundCloud just, you know, messing around, so. But mostly my energy right now is just focused on doing the horror stuff and, you know, managing all that and promoting that. Awesome. If you like uh, that kind of like goth stuff, there's a band called Fearing. Uh huh.
0: Pretty pretty awesome. Like my uh, my buddy Ralph turned me on to them a few months ago.
1: Okay, it's called Fearing. Yeah, really good. And there's so many good bands out there right now to check out that's in that type of shit. And like, I went down the rabbit hole with Drive Majesty though, man. I can't get enough of those guys. They are me. Yeah, really no, they got a lot of good stuff for sure. Holy shit, man! And then this from there like Cold Cave and all that stuff. Yeah, Boyd oh, yeah, Rice did some be- stuff
0: with Cold Cave.
1: Oh, yeah? Yeah,
0: I think he went on a tour with Cold Cave uh like several years ago.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Cold Cave's fucking awesome. I love them. Usually if I'm working out, it's usually like, I listen to a lot of death metal and stuff, but when I'm just like chilling, driving to work, whatever, it's usually sent away stuff or, you know, some doom. But I've been mostly listening like uh a lot of brutal death metal. I don't know why, like Fulci and all this stuff. Like That's good workout music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Well, definitely, man. It's aggressive, you know. Mm-hmm. I was playing Yo's last album, uh, I think, last week when I was working out. That's also good workout music. Really? Awesome. I'm glad to oh, hear that, man. That's cool. And I've been a fan of Yo's since winter. Oh, uh, hell winter yeah, albums, Nice. You know? Long time I remember buying your first CD. I didn't know who you were at the time. I was at one of the music stores. This is years and years ago. I was like, oh, Tombs. I love the name. Reminds me of the Spider-Man villain always like that, like, tombs or whatever. I'm like, let me get, pick this up and she was like, holy fuck, this is good. No, I'm glad you dig it, man. It's like, that shit's, like,
0: the band has, like, changed so much since that record came out, man. But it's like, uh, it's still, they're still, you know, I'm still proud of that record, though, for sure.
1: Mhm, It's great. And, um, like, my wife loves it. We had it, we had, a, I can't remember what tracks we had, but we had a couple of tracks at our wedding. Really? We're playing for our wedding music. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that, yeah. that's
0: kind of like... <laughs> That's that's pretty that's, – it's an honor, man. That's cool. I'm, I really appreciate that.
1: Uh, dude, yeah, my wife like, loves y'all. I love y'all. I got her into y'all, so I was like, you got to check Tombs out. And there was a couple bands we were playing with from Florida that came down and shit, and they were, uh, we had like a, a fire party or we like burning some shit and drinking or whatever and stuff. We had, I had y'all playing on there like, who is this? This is Tombs, man. You got to check this shit out. <laughs> I was like, y'all, an Primitive man and stuff. I like, didn't know anything about that. I'm like, yeah. Check these guys out. <laughs> well that that's a good setting, man. Stuff burning at nighttime, you know, that's awesome. That's
0: a great way to experience yeah. the bit, the record, I guess.
1: <laughs> it was a night after a good show. Like we had an awesome show and stuff, and then we all went back and had like a burn barrel and all that stuff. It was a really awesome night. We we're playing with our friends in uh, Druid Lord from Florida. I don't know if you heard of those guys before. They're like um like horror death metal. Really awesome. Oh hell yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah. Anything with horror and like you know, metal mixed in with it. And that's why I like what you do. I mean, there's some like horror elements with what you got going on and I look really like the uh I know there's a Bauhaus influencer. I can kinda hear it, I sure. think, anyways. Yeah. And I love all that. I love how you mix all that together and it's so nasty and awesome, man.
0: Well Peter Murphy is the first guy that actually back when I was a kid, you know, when I saw um, you know, the the hunger, um he was the first I'm like, oh shit, this guy's like on some vampire like you know fucking worship and uh in that movie the intro the intro where there's the where Bauhaus is playing like behind like a cage or some shit and that, yeah, Bell he, is dead yeah and that club and everyone's got sunglasses on and smoking and everything it was like mm-hmm. that's what I was I saw the connection like that and like Sam Hain you know and like um you know the Misfits mm-hmm. TSOL like all that stuff to me was like how horror and punk and metal all can sort of be like in this world together you know and that's always been like in there somewhere and uh tombs yep. i guess more you know more so recently it's like like i've I've always like referenced like the kind of weird fiction like lovecraft shit like even our earlier mm-hmm. records had that's kind of cosmic like vibe to it mm-hmm. but i think i'm getting better as a songwriter to pull a lot of that stuff in you know
1: I, I love it. all the directions you went like, you know, each CD has got like that different feel to it and stuff like. Uh, yeah, that's all good to me, man. I love it all. That's awesome, man. Thanks. I really appreciate that, seriously. Well, that's my pleasure. Well, your horror and metal goes together like peanut butter and jelly, I think. Oh, fuck <laughs> you know? yeah, dude. Yeah. Like uh I'm, We did I'm, a whole I'm, con What was that? Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was saying we did a, a album. One of our last albums was uh, Dead Letters, and it was all uh, dedicated to uh, The Great and Secret Show by Clyde Barker. Nice. If you ever read that? Yeah, yeah. I've learned a bunch of his stuff, man. That shit influenced the whole damn thing. Like, all the rest were influenced by reading that book. So that book fucking changed my life when I read it. <laughs> I think there's a graphic novel of that out, too. There is. Yeah, yeah. my wife bought it for me for uh, one of the uh, catmuses we had. That's what we call it around here. It's Katniss. So <laughs> I got a... She gave me the whole series, and it's really awesome. I like the artwork and everything for it. It matches up to what I was thinking it looked like in my head, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: th- thanks for, uh, for being on the show, man. I appreciate it. You know, this is cool. Dude,
1: I appreciate it. It was awesome. I'm glad you, you know, asked me to come on here. This is really awesome. Right on, man.
0: And uh, everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll check you next week. Take care.